0: you're listening to precinct four 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 a podcast network from the national law enforcement museum today we're bringing you an episode from law and disorder where we dive into the world of true crime stories with memorable cases that have lasting effects for law enforcement
1: In the last episode of Icons, we introduced you to Lieutenant Joseph Petrosino, the first Italian-born officer in the NYPD, who rose through the ranks to become somewhat of a legendary officer throughout his 25-year crusade to cut off organized crime in Manhattan's Little Italy. The ruthless, incorruptible detective defied the odds and made a name for himself in the field of law enforcement. He befriended key figures like President Theodore Roosevelt and gained the respect of many But his career and his life were cut short on March 12th, 1909 in Palermo, Sicily, when a secret mission to travel back to the old country on police business turned deadly. On today's episode of Law and Disorder, we are going to wrap up the story of Lieutenant Joseph Petrosino and focus more on the investigation of his assassination rather than his whole biography, though we will cover some of the highlights here. So I would recommend that you listen to our last episode of Icons first, if you haven't already. But now, let's get into it. So throughout his 25-year career with the NYPD, Petrosino's main goal was to eradicate organized crime in the city's vast Italian-American community. Crime organizations like the Black Hand had been successfully extorting the Italian immigrant community from the inside for decades, and Petrosino wanted to stop it. He believed that the actions of the mafia marred the reputation of the Italian immigrants in the city as hard workers determined to build better lives for themselves and their families in the United States. Working with his Italian squad, an elite group of Italian-speaking detectives, Petrosino set his sights on investigating the Italian mafia and was able to cut down on mafia crime by 50% in his tenure with the NYPD. And the Italian squad helped to create some law enforcement firsts that we still see today. The original bomb squad came out of the Italian squad out of necessity when organizations like the Black Hand were setting explosive devices as part of their criminal plots. And the Italian squad was also among the first law enforcement units in the country to utilize the use of canine units. But a good deal of Petrosino's success came from the fact that he was a member of the community he was policing. For the first time in Manhattan, Italian criminals were being intercepted by someone who spoke their language and understood their culture. Petrosino was a bit of a master of disguise, and it made him a better investigator. He was known for staying in hotels under assumed names, growing out his beard to change his appearance, and doing just about anything he could to capture his next lead. However, this success came at a cost for Petrosino. While many in his community were grateful for the decrease in crime, he was also simultaneously putting a very large target on his own back with mafia leaders. Throughout his career, Petrosino placed hundreds of mafia men under arrest, some of these arrests leading to deportations back to Italy. And an arrest does not typically defer a mafioso from returning to a life of organized crime, whether it be in Manhattan or in the old country. In 1909, Petrosino was sent on a secret mission to Sicily by NYPD Commissioner Theodore Bingham. The pair believed that an even greater ideation of Petrosino's successful Italian squad would be possible, and it should be led by Petrosino. The intention of this group of secret police was to further eradicate organized crime in the Italian immigrant community by enforcing a recently passed federal law which allowed the U.S. government to deport any alien who had lived in the country for less than three years if that alien had been convicted of a crime in another country. Over the course of his investigations, Petrosino had created a long list of known Italian criminals who had made residence in the United States, and all he and his men needed to arrest them and send them back to Italy were the prison records from the Italian government. While Petrosino and his team had tried to get the records sent to them in New York, the Italian government was less forthcoming. So Commissioner Bingham decided that rather than have the records sent to New York, he would send Petrosino to Italy to retrieve them. And while he was there, Petrosino would collect additional intel about mafia members and other criminal plots that would affect the livelihood of Italian immigrants back in the United States. For Petrosino's safety, it was important that this trip to the old country had to be a carefully kept secret. Petrosino had not stepped foot in the old country in decades, but he was very well known there, especially to some of its most dangerous residents. From his successful investigations in the United States and the number of mafia members he had arrested and even deported, he would be in even greater danger in Italy than he would be in the United States. Ahead of this mission, the U.S. ambassador to Italy, Lord Carpenter Grisham, expressed concerns directly to Petrosino that, quote, perhaps a thousand criminals would recognize him in Sicily. And though the mission seemed foolhardy at best, Petrosino seemed to understand that the mission was a great risk to his life, because before he left, he did sign over his power of attorney to his wife Adelena, so that if he died, she would still be able to collect his salary and provide for the couple's infant child. On February 9th, 1909, Petrosino boarded a steamship in New York that was headed to Italy, and even this early in the mission, his secret had been broken. Later court testimony proved that New York mafia bosses were already aware of Petrosino's departure long before he made it to Italy, and upon arriving in Rome, Petrosino was recognized by multiple people and became aware that he was being followed. The lieutenant detective had told a friend that a man whom he recognized from New York had been following him, and he later observed that same man ducking into a telegraph office. Petrosino presumed that this man had likely alerted his Black Hand Society compatriots in Noto Sicily of his arrival to Italy. But it was not only the mafia hearing of Petrosino's mission through the grapevine that threatened the secrecy of this mission. Commissioner Bingham himself was one of the mission's greatest threats. A few weeks before Petrosino's departure, the New York Times asked Police Commissioner Bingham of Petrosino's whereabouts, and he cryptically replied, why, he may be on the ocean bound for Europe, for all I know. In this same news article, the Times then cited another unnamed source who had hinted at the purpose of Petrosino's covert mission. And the true heart of Petrosino's Italian mission was to take place in Sicily. On March 12th, 1909, Petrosino arrived in Palermo, Sicily and made plans to meet with an informant in the city's Piazza Marina in order to receive information about the mafia that evening. Petrosino arrived to the Piazza Mariana and he ate dinner and then prepared to meet his informant. While he was waiting for a trolley, two assailants approached the lieutenant detective and Petrosino was shot in the face before the assailants fled. There were four shots fired, leaving three bullet wounds. It was reported by witnesses that Petrosino was able to fire off one shot in their direction, but he was bleeding profusely and fell to the ground, and other reports stated that Petrosino was unarmed at the time he was attacked and his revolver was actually in his hotel room. Regardless, an Italian sailor heard the shots and rushed to Petrosino's aid, but it was too late. Joseph Petrosino remains the only NYPD officer that has ever been killed in the line of duty on foreign soil. But investigations into Petrosino's murder went into gear immediately, both in New York and Palermo. And leading the Italian investigation was Palermo Police Commissioner Balsarde Sciola. Commissioner Sciola began interviewing witnesses, and no one would admit to having seen anything in fear of mafia retribution for aiding an investigation. Eventually, they were able to put together a list of 140 suspects, including Vito Cassio Farro who had been previously linked to Petrosino. In the three years that he resided in New York City, Farrow had been a low-ranking Black Hand affiliate, and in his investigations into mafia activities, Petrosino crossed paths with Farrow. Petrosino had arrested Farrow in 1903 for suspicion of murder, but Cassio Farrow was acquitted for that charge. Faro eventually returned to Sicily on his own accord, where he ascended to the top rank of the Sicilian Mafia and did not forget the Italian detective who had imprisoned him overseas. Meanwhile, the day after Petrosino's assassination, the NYPD's Italian branch received an anonymous letter stating that the New York Black Hand had arranged Petrosino's murder. The letter named Members of the Morello Crime Family Responsible for the Assassination Plot, Giuseppe Morello, Vincenzo Terranova, Ciro Terranova, Giuseppe Fontana, Ignazio Malone, and Pietro Inzerio. It is not known whether or not this letter was a hoax. However, Faro had been working with members of the Morello crime family mentioned in this suspicious letter. Police in Palermo first arrested Faro for Petrosino's murder, but ultimately he was released when one of his associates was able to provide police with an alibi. But by then, police had narrowed down a list of five Sicilian suspects. Pasquale Inea, who had been linked to the Black Hand in New York, Giuseppe Fanata, who had been previously involved with a murder in Sicily and had also been involved with Black Hand activities in New York, Gioacchino Lima, who had been previously charged with a murder and who was the brother-in-law to Giuseppe Morello of the Morello crime family, and Ignazio Malone, who worked with Fontana in New York, as well as Giovanni Pecorero. Who had links to Sicilian and New York organized crime, as well as that Vito Casagoferro? Additional men were suspected of being connected to the planning of Petrosino's murder back in Manhattan without actually being the ones to pull the trigger. One such man was Enrico Alfano, who had come onto Petrosino's radar when he started an underground gambling den in the basement of 108 Mulberry Street. It was believed that Alfano was one of the men responsible for bringing the Camorra gang to Little Italy from the old country, and his 1907 arrest made quite a stir in Naples, where the Camorra originated. Throughout the investigation, Commissioner Ciola received a number of anonymous letters from the United States that made the connection between Ferro, the Morello crime family, and Petrosino's murder. These letters even claimed to know the names of the actual assassins, who... Li- the letters even claimed to know the names of the actual assassins. Two men named Carlo Constantino and Antonio Passananti were named and they had connections to the mafia, but their roles as the trigger men were not confirmed. From these letters and some meager evidence, Ciola was able to piece together a plausible scenario that showed that the mafia leaders in both New York and Palermo were behind Petrosino's murder, but unfortunately, police were never able to muster up enough evidence to take anyone to trial for the murder of Lieutenant Detective Joseph Petrosino. And Commissioner Sciola was actually relieved of his position with the Palermo police in June 1909, which brought the investigation to a screeching halt. The murder of Lieutenant Detective Joseph Petrosino would go on to be unsolved, and American law enforcement chalked the lack of justice up to the code of silence that had been instilled by the mafia. That is until 2014, when police in Palermo, Italy, made dozens of arrests in an unrelated and modern extortion case that involved historic crime organizations. In June of that year, Italian police arrested 95 people following a two-year investigation into historic crime organizations— and when they pulled a man named Domenico Palazzotto in for questioning. But it seemed that the young mafia man was more interested in flaunting his pedigree as a multi-generational mafia man than anything else, and began bragging that one of his family members had been the one to pull the trigger and kill Lieutenant Detective Joseph Petrosino. Palazzotto was recorded on a wiretap stating, My father's uncle, whose name was Paolo Palazzotto, was the first to kill a cop in Palermo. Joe Petrosino, an American cop. And he continued stating, We have been mobsters for 100 years. By the time that this realization was made, the elder mobster was long deceased, and this statement by his young relative in a fit of bravado does not prove that Paolo Palazzotto actually pulled the trigger. The charge for Petrosino's murder was not added to the list of charges against the younger Palazzotto, and what justice would that really provide anyway? But for Petrosino's family, many of whom have followed in the footsteps of the great detective and become law enforcement officers themselves, it does prove that the mafia-busting efforts of their forefather have not been forgotten, both by the innocent and by the adversaries. But what this new information does allow, though, is for Italian law enforcement to continue their search for Petrosino's killer, even if it is only through historical records— And in an article published in early 2023 on Lieutenant Detective Petrosino Association of America's website, Petrosino's family feels confident that after even more than a century, finding answers about who killed this legendary detective is now more possible than ever. The legacy of Lieutenant Joseph Petrosino lives on, and with recent developments, we may one day be able to know the name of his killer, something that felt nearly impossible just a century ago. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Law and Disorder and that you've already subscribed to Precinct 444 wherever you get your podcasts. Remember that we have three additional shows on the network that all come together to tell the rich story of American law enforcement and its history. If you find yourself in Washington, DC, please be sure to visit the National Law Enforcement Museum at 444 E Street Northwest, we're right off the Metro's red line at Judiciary Square. And as always, thank you to Christopher Mitchell for editing today's episode, and we hope to see you all next time at The Precinct.
0: Please subscribe to Precinct 444 on your favorite podcasting platform to stay connected and to receive our latest content as soon as it drops. We would love to hear from you. Send in your questions, comments, and feedback to Precinct444 at NLEOMF.org. You can help us make our content even better. The National Law Enforcement Museum is located at 444 East Street Northwest in Washington, D.C., and is dedicated to telling the story of American law enforcement. We expand and enrich the relationship between law enforcement and the community through educational journeys, immersive exhibitions, and insightful programs. Find us online at lawenforcementmuseum.org and stay tuned for more podcast content from Precinct 444. Until next time, stay safe. We'll see you at the precinct. Thank you.